Today on The Wisdom Journey, we come to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is a story of God's faithful love to his unfaithful people. God often used physical actions by his prophets to illustrate the message he wanted to communicate. That happened with Hosea. Hosea's loving pursuit of his unfaithful wife serves as an example of God's love for his people and the ultimate redemption offered through Jesus Christ. Here's Stephen. Well, today we begin sailing on our wisdom journey through the last 12 books of the Old Testament. They're referred to as the Minor Prophets. Now, they're not called Minor Prophets because they weren't good enough to make it into the big leagues, you know, the major leagues, so to speak. They're called Minor Prophets only because of their brevity. They're very brief prophetic messages. But let me tell you, they are all going to hit a home run when it comes to delivering the message of God to his people. Now, it hasn't been unusual for God uh, to not only have his prophets deliver a message, but also to to sort of act out the message in some physical way. For instance, uh, you may remember God had Isaiah dressed like a prisoner of war for three years. You may remember for several months, Jeremiah carried a wooden yoke on his shoulders, and Ezekiel was told by God to go and get a haircut and a shave with a sword. Now, each of these actions illustrated something that God wanted to communicate to his people, and there's no doubt in my mind. However, as we arrive here at the book of Hosea, that the most painful sermon illustration God ever had one of his prophets live out was the faithful love of the prophet Hosea toward his tragically unfaithful wife. Now, in the Old Testament, God's relationship to his people is often described as that of a groom to his bride, Isaiah chapter 62, as an example. But we're about to see a dark side to that relationship. God is going to use Hosea's adulterous wife to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Now, the book of Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. Hosea ministered in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reigns of several kings, including Jeroboam II. Under Jeroboam's reign, Israel enjoyed peace, uh, economic prosperity, but the nation was spiritually corrupt. It was headed toward divine judgment for their unfaithfulness toward God. Now, the book of Hosea opens with one of the strangest commands recorded in the Bible. We're given it here in verse 2. Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer. Now, I believe God is telling Hosea to marry a woman who will become a harlot and an adulterer. He didn't, he didn't say go down the street corner and propose to some prostitute. He's being warned by God ahead of time that, that his wife is going to become this kind of woman. Well, their marriage 
is going to become an illustration of Israel, who was married to the Lord by covenant, as it were, but committed spiritual adultery by forsaking the Lord. Hosea, then, and his wife, Gomer, are going to illustrate this this broken relationship and, and at the same time, beloved, demonstrate God's incredible mercy and love. Now, Hosea and Gomer have several children in the meantime. Their names are chosen by the Lord, and the names have special significance. The first child is a boy named Jezreel here in verse 4, and the symbolism of his name is found in events related to the city of Jezreel. That was where Jehu killed Queen Jezebel and the house of Ahab as God's judgment upon that wicked dynasty. But Jehu went further than what God commanded in judgment, and he ended up killing King Ahaziah of Judah as well, uh, along with many of Ahaziah's relatives. We're given all the details back in Second Kings chapters 9 and 10. So the name of Hosea's son, Jezreel, is a prophetic statement that God is going to punish the house of Jehu. King Jeroboam II, under whom Hosea is serving, happens to be Jehu's grandson. Jeroboam's son, Zechariah, will be murdered, which will then end Jehu's dynasty. So the name of Hosea's son, Jezreel, foretells the end of the kingdom of Israel as well. Uh, They're going to be defeated. Israel's power is going to be broken over there in the valley, named, by the way, the Valley of Jezreel. Now, Hosea and Gomer have a second child, as recorded here in verse 6, and this little girl's name is Loruhama, which means no mercy. Her name is a sign that there's going to be, in a sense then, no more mercy for Israel. Divine judgment is certain. Then there's this third child uh, mentioned here, another boy this time. He's given the name Loami, which means not my people. The Lord explains here in verse 9, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. In other words, God is essentially disowning these Israelites as his people. Now, you need to understand that the Lord isn't withdrawing the covenant he made with Abraham. That covenant is unconditional. It's not going to change. But the Israelites of this generation have reached the point in their sin and rebellion that they will no longer enjoy the blessings of God, God's presence, God's protection. Not because God didn't want them, but because they no longer wanted God. And with that, Hosea now, he, he utters some prophetic words, and they're words of hope here in verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. Well, this wonderful prophecy uh, looks all the way ahead to the coming millennial reign of Christ. That's when the nation Israel is regathered in repentance. They're going to serve their Messiah in that coming kingdom. Now, chapter 2 focuses again on Israel's spiritual adultery with Hosea's family as this this living illustration. I mean, even the children here are tragically pleading with their mother to return home. 
You see, their mother has become uh, an illustration of unfaithful Israel, who has been out there pursuing other gods like a prostitute pursuing other lovers. Verse 8 says that Israel has turned away from the one who gave them their grain, wine, and, and the oil, silver, and gold, which they used for Baal. In other words, all these gifts from God are given over to false gods, uh, honoring false gods. God promises here in verse 13, I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she went after her lovers and forgot me. Well, once again, however, we have this dramatic shift from the Lord's condemnation of his unfaithful bride to this rather compassionate invitation to return. He says to her here in verse 14, I will allure her and speak tenderly to her. He promises a future restored marriage. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord This is a wonderful promise, by the way, to the faithful Jewish people, even back here, who will suffer because of the nation's adultery. They're going to cling to the hope of God's promise for them in their day and also this future day of of the restoration of Israel and the coming kingdom of Christ. Now, chapter 3 returns to the ongoing situation with Hosea and his adulterous wife. The Lord tells Hosea here in verse 1, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. In other words, Hosea, you know, go out there and get your wife back. This is, this is incredible to me. This, this is a painful command. Yet Hosea obeys. Keep in mind now that Hosea is acting toward his unfaithful wife, as an illustration of how God is acting toward his unfaithful people. And I'm grateful that's you and me, too, by the way. We're told here in verse 2 that Hosea goes out and pays this man with whom his wife is evidently living. He pays that man 15 shekels of silver and 10 bushels of barley to buy her back. And, and I need to tell you, this is, the, this is a cheap price. This is the price of purchasing in these days an old slave. Well, Hosea's loving, faithful pursuit of Gomer, serving as a living example to this day of God's love for Israel, and even beyond Israel, to you and me, is precious, isn't it? You know, we don't have anything to offer our Redeemer. We're we're that unfaithful and, and sinful bride, as it were. But God loves us In fact, even while we're in the act of sinning, the Bible says, Jesus Christ redeemed us. He bought us out of the slave market of sin. He purchased us with his own life blood. And he becomes our faithful groom as we become his bride forever. Even when we sin against him as his bride, he's willing to forgive us. Well, we have to stop here for now. Until our next wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Stephen called this lesson the faithless wife. He'll spend a couple more lessons in Hosea, so come back next time. Before then, we have a gift for you. The New Testament makes it clear that Jesus has power over death. The exciting news is that Jesus offers his resurrection power to you. And the question is not, will you live forever? The question is, where will you live forever? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because of that, death is not the end of the story. Stephen's resource called Resurrection Power will deepen your appreciation for what Jesus has done for you in offering you eternal life. Receive a free copy of this resource today at wisdomonline.org forward slash resurrection. Once again, that's wisdomonline.org forward slash resurrection. Please take us up on this offer. Thanks for joining us. We'll continue through God's word next time on the wisdom journey.